Well, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. The last couple of meetings we talked about um, the workings of the Holy Spirit. And you can go back, if you go on the website, you can and go to the, the podcast page. Uh, you can go back and you can listen to those sessions and get caught up with us and you can listen to anything else on there you want to listen to as far as that goes but since we spent um, a couple of sessions talking about the Holy Spirit I thought we would uh, kind of continue along those lines um, in some real practical ways this is one of the most um, important things a Christian can ever learn. Uh, today, if you want to give this a title, I'm calling it, He Leads Me. He Leads Me. Learning to be led by the Holy Spirit is one of the most important things a Christian can ever learn. And it's probably one of the least heard of subjects uh, in the Bible. There's just not much teaching at all uh, on this subject. And you know, until just a few years ago, I had never ever heard any anything on this in the Bible. As far as I was concerned. I didn't even know it was in the Bible, and I've been in church all my life. I mean, since Abby's age, I've been in church, and I, I never heard any teaching on, on the Holy Spirit, really, in my life, um, in the denomination I grew up in. I'm not saying maybe, maybe somebody else, you know. Uh, I know, uh, you know, Brother Hagen uh, is one of the few people I have ever heard and those who came up under his ministry they're actually the only uh, ministers I've ever heard teach on this subject so but I wasn't in those circles growing up so um, I just didn't know just didn't know and millions of Christians just don't know but we're going we're going to learn amen hallelujah we're going to learn so John chapter 10, get back over there, verse 1, this is Jesus, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, uh, now, some other way is some other way besides God's way. Another way besides God's way. He that climbeth up some other way from God's way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. Underline that phrase. The sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, 
and leadeth them out. Underline that phrase. And leadeth them out. Shepherds lead and they feed. Mostly, don't they? <laughs> that's, that's pretty much their job description. They lead and they feed the sheep. Some of you uh, may know Billy Brim. Uh, she's a good teacher, uh, you know, concerning Israel and end times and uh, prophecy, uh, intercessory prayer, all along these lines. And, uh, you know, she's been to Israel many, many times. She studied the Hebrew language in that country. Uh, and I heard her say that in Israel, uh, in order to get the sheep where they want them to go, in order to guide and direct them, the shepherd gets out in front of the sheep and he calls them and he just walks wherever he wants them to go and they just follow him. And she said that it's one of the few countries in the world where shepherds lead the sheep. In most other countries of the world, including England, they drive the sheep. And when you try to drive the sheep, they have a tendency to scatter. And, and I watched the, um, you know, these sheepdog trials. I, I think that's very interesting. Uh, but, but the dog, the shepherd has um, a whistle or some kind of a command that he commands this dog and the dog will run at these sheep and they kind of scatter forward over this way and then the dog will run at them and they'll scatter the other way and, and he continues this all the way from the bottom of the hill till he finally gets his flock of sheep to the top of the hill and they kind of just zigzag back and forth up the hill till they finally get to the top. And that dog must run about 20 miles, you know, back and forth across that field to get those sheep from the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill. And it's interesting to watch. These dogs have a lot of skill. You know, there's a lot of skill involved. But it looks like it'd be a whole lot easier just for that shepherd, the farmer, to get out in front of the sheep and just say, come on, you know, we're, and just follow just follow him. Oh, can I say something? We were, we were in um, a car in uh, Yorkshire, I think it was. But we were going along this lane, and there were sheep, and there was the, the the woman was at the end, and the farmer was at the top, and all they did was to do that with their stick, and the, and the sheep just did the same, just like that. Well, they, they let us through. Oh yeah, yeah. They let they let the car through. Yeah. They, they separated to let us through with just the the turning of the what the shepherd's crook. Well, the shepherd, <laughs> yeah. the sheep know the shepherd. Yeah. The sheep know the shepherd, and they obey the it, shepherd, it and that's so, what we're going to talk so, about. So quick and easy today. Yeah. And she said, "Don't just praise God." Yeah. Amen. So verse three says. Um, to him the porter, or the gatekeeper, openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. Underline that phrase. The sheep hear his voice, and calleth his own sheep by name. Yeah, I lost my place. By name, and leadeth them out. 
So, underline that phrase, if you haven't already. The sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. Now notice, uh, it doesn't say that he hits them with a stick, or he causes their business to go bankrupt, uh, in order to get their attention, and to get them to go the right direction. In other words, He's not using any external physical means of telling these sheep where he wants them to go. He's calling them, he's leading them, and they're following. So Jesus is talking about us here. This is a way we're supposed to be, he's supposed to be leading, we're supposed to hear him, and we're supposed to follow. He calleth his own sheep by name. Say out loud, he knows my name. He knows my name. Amen. Verse 4, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. It will seem strange to you when the enemy is trying to mislead you. It will seem strange. So that's why we don't follow everybody that says, do this or do that. We're, we're listening. Uh, we're learning to listen to the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We know his voice. Jesus said we know his voice. We hear his voice, and we've got to have faith in that, that we can hear his voice and that we know his voice. Verse 16, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Now that's talking about us, the non-Jewish people. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. Underline that phrase. They shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. How many times has Jesus already said that? About three or four times. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This is several times now in this passage where Jesus has repeatedly said, My sheep hear my voice. Now he's being repetitious. Because he knows that the enemy will try to distract us and convince us that we cannot hear directly from the Lord. So that's why Jesus is really driving the point home here. We can hear directly from the Lord. We can know his voice. We can follow him. Let's say this out loud. He's my shepherd. I'm his sheep. I know his voice. I hear his voice. I respond to his voice. Amen. Now, don't be misled by this word voice. Okay? You hear my voice when I'm talking. I hear your voice when you're talking. But God doesn't speak to us in that kind of a voice. Okay? The way we hear each other. We don't hear God's voice with our physical ears. We, we hear with our spiritual ears. And that's what we're, we're getting into. 
Let's turn to uh, Psalm 23. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me. Underline that phrase. He leadeth me. Beside the still waters, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me. Underline that phrase. In the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's say this out loud. He leads me. He leads me. Amen. Now, I wish I could have heard about this when I was about 16 or 17 years old. <laughs> because at that age, you have very little knowledge and no experience in life. Yet, at that age, you're having to uh, make some of the most important decisions of your life. When you finish school, you know, what are you going to do? Um, and since then, I've learned that it's not a matter of deciding what we want to do in life. It's a matter of discovering God's will for our life and doing it. And um, what has he assigned us to do? What has he gifted us to do? And that's, it's a matter of us discovering what that is. That's really the way it's supposed to be. But I don't think I'm... I'm just speaking for myself here. I think most of us and most Christians in the world who love God, uh, you know, they know about the Holy Spirit, they go to church, but most Christians have lived most of their lives not even knowing about this, not even knowing that you can hear directly and personally from God and you can be led by Him not only in major decisions, but in just everyday little practical, uh, everyday living, uh, everyday matters of life. Um, in the most practical ways. Through my experience playing basketball, uh, I became, I, I really learned more about God in my basketball days uh, on the basketball court than I did ever going to church. <laughs> And that's, I guess, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but um, I became very aware that God was with me. But I just didn't get it that he was in me. At that point, I, I didn't know he was in me, but I sensed that he was with me uh, through, through all my experience playing basketball. And I believe the only way that you can really come to know this is through the teaching of the word and I just didn't I just didn't have it so um, uh, you know if I had stayed in the denomination I grew up in I would have continued probably to have been oblivious about all of the life-changing truths in God's word uh, like I mentioned earlier brother Hagen and those who came up under his ministry are really the only people I have ever heard teach on this subject and the Lord taught Brother Hagen personally because in those days there were no Christian bookstores 
there were no CDs, there were no tapes, there was no internet. So, so uh, God had to teach him personally. Uh, and this is a, one of the most important things we as believers can ever learn. You know, um, do I buy this car or do I buy that car? Do I buy that house or do I buy that house? Do I sell it or do I keep it? Uh, do I take that job or do I take this job? You know, we, we have these decisions to make and, and most of us have grown up not knowing that we could hear directly from God about these decisions and, and, and what's the truth about this. So the first thing you need to do is say, Lord, what do I do? Show me what to do. We can talk to the Holy Spirit. He's in us. We don't pray to the Holy Spirit, but we can certainly talk to the Holy Spirit and, and, and ask Him. Think of the time and money that you could save. You know, if you buy the wrong car, it can cost you a lot of money and time trying to put it right. Uh, I've gotten to where now that whenever I misplace something, I don't waste a whole lot of time uh, going around looking through drawers and, and whatever. It's on its way back. Yeah, I, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, show me where I put that thing. Uh, show me where I left it. P bring it to my remembrance. If I laid it down somewhere, bring it to my remembrance. And it, he has never, ever, ever failed in the, in the few years that I've been learning how to do this. Now, sometimes it took a few hours, maybe, maybe several days. But I always, always found it. He always showed me where it was. So, so if you'll do that, your life will become much more peaceful and less frantic and, and, and not wasting a lot of time just running around in a circle, you know, uh, looking for things and, and just trying to do things uh, in the natural. And more importantly, we don't want to make decisions that will take us out of the will of God for our lives. Uh, when we do miss it, and we all have missed it from time to time, we have God's mercy and God's grace. And he'll help us get back on track. But we never missed it following the Holy Spirit. If, if, if we never missed it following the Holy Spirit. If we're following the Holy Spirit... We won't miss it. But this is not something you just learn about in a few days or a few weeks. You know, this is something we have to develop uh, and, and train, train ourselves to begin to, to listen uh, inside to the Holy Spirit who's in our spirit. If we always heard from God, we would never miss it and we would never fail. We would always be in the right place at the right time and we would never be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now we've talked about, you know, in a couple of other sessions how tragedy can come into the lives of Christians and how we can avoid it. And uh, we kind of left that open. I, I, I need to go back and finish that. but. What we're talking about today, a lack of knowledge in this area of being led by the Spirit of God is one of the major open doors to tragedy coming into Christians' lives. 
is a failure of, of just not knowing, not ever having been taught how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Being in the right place at the right time, not being in the wrong place at the wrong time. How many Christians' lives have been ruined because they listened to a prophet tell them they were supposed to marry that person and they didn't even know that person? It's happened. I mean, I know it sounds unbelievable, but it's happened. And, uh, you know, people reason, well, they're a prophet. I mean, they're, they're supposed to hear from God. Well, who says they're a prophet? You know, just because somebody claims to be a prophet doesn't necessarily, uh, just because somebody calls themselves a prophet doesn't necessarily mean they're speaking for God. So, Every prophecy, every sermon, every teaching you hear here, television, anywhere else you go, you are to judge those sermons and those teachings and those prophecies by two things. The written word of God, does it agree with the written word of God or is it contrary to the written word of God? Number two, you judge it by the inward witness in your spirit. The inward witness in your spirit. If what they are saying is of God, you have the same Holy Spirit in you that they do. And your spirit will bear witness that yes, they are speaking by the Holy Spirit, and yes, that is God. But if not, if, if, your, if your spirit doesn't bear witness that that's the Holy Spirit, you throw it out, you do not receive it, and you walk away. You're not judging people, but you're judging what they're saying. If it bears witness with your spirit, and is it in, a, in agreement with the Word of God? Now, the devil has been very successful at hiding this truth from the body of Christ. Millions of Christians around the world in church every week don't even know this is in the Bible. They don't even know that you can hear from God personally. They don't know that you can be uh, led or communicate with God personally and directly. All we need to do is hear from him and do it. Now, let's turn to John 16. You know, I was thinking the other day, if you always heard from the Lord, and you knew where to go, when to go, who to talk to, and what to say, there is no limit. There is no limit to what you could do or receive from God. I mean, really, that's, it sounds easy, but, but it's, this is not something we learn in just a few days or weeks. <laughs> but I want to encourage you, start today and you will be surprised how quickly you will make progress and the Holy Spirit will get in there and, and help you. And you'll, you'll be encouraged and you'll begin to make progress quite quickly. Uh, but to become really, really, really proficient, it takes a, a little while to develop 
your spiritual ears and learn how to, to focus inward instead of outward all the time. John 16, 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you. Isn't that what we're talking about? Being led? He will guide you into all truth. Let's say this out loud. He will guide me, will guide me. To, the to the truth. That's what we want to know. What's the truth about this situation? For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Underline, he will show you. He'll guide you and he will show you. So showing us things to come is part of guiding us and directing us. The expanded Bible says, but when the spirit of truth, the helper comes, he will lead, guide you into all truth. He will not speak his own words from his own authority, from himself, but he will speak only what he hears from the Father. And he will tell, announce, declare to you what is to come. We have a divine guide on the inside. Now, how does he guide us and how does he lead us? Let's turn over to Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So here he's talking about uh, living in the flesh and living in the spirit in this chapter. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We're a spirit being and we live in a physical body. But we're not just solely limited to just being aware of our flesh and our physical body. But that's the way we've been trained most of our lives. Uh, the world, unbelievers in the world, are only aware that they have a body and a mind. They're not even aware that they are a spirit. And they pay thousands of pounds to go to universities and be taught that they only have a body and a mind. And unless they go to a Christian university, they never know that they, they have a spirit. They are a spirit as well, but they have no knowledge about spiritual things. Uh, every person that's been born again, you are alive to God. Your spirit has been made alive to God. Your spirit is no longer dead. God gave you a brand new spirit just like him, and we should be aware of our spirit and the Holy Spirit in our spirit, just like we're aware that we have a mind and a, and a body. But unsaved people are completely body conscious and, and, and flesh conscious. They, their spirit's dead to God, and, and they, they're not aware of, of spiritual things. Uh, verse 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. 
And of Christ being you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, and he does, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. So we don't have to live controlled by our flesh like unsaved people do. That's what he's saying. We don't have to live that way. Verse 13, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So he's talking about two ways of living here. Yielding to your flesh and what it wants to do versus yielding to your spirit. Awareness of your flesh or awareness of your spirit, which is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Yielding to the flesh and its instincts will lead you to death and loss. And this is what happens, you know, to, to unbelievers in the world. And unfortunately, even some Christians, you know, that, that, uh, that are not aware of, of how, to be, they're, how to be led by the Holy Spirit. They're only just uh, live by their wits and their, you know, logic and, and uh, according to the dictates of the flesh. But following the Spirit of God within you, He will lead you to healing. He'll lead you to prosperity, blessing, and life. So as long as we're <clears throat> endeavoring to be led by the Holy Spirit, uh, he won't let us miss it. But if we do miss it, we, we have God's mercy and grace, and, we, and he'll help us, and we get right back in there again. Verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now this is talking about mature sons of God. This is not uh, children as such. These are talking about the mature sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. This is not being focused and led by external things, but being focused and led by the Spirit of God within us. Now, verse 15, he tells us what we are not to be led by. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We are not to be led by fear. Now, I'd say every person in here has been guilty of this. Probably 99% of all the Christians in the world, we have been guilty of being led by fear and making decisions based on fear because we just haven't known otherwise. You know, the devil's trained us that way. We're, we're, we're spirit beings, but we're living in a natural world that's fallen and cursed. Fear is a spiritual force, and the devil uses fear to lead people into loss, death, and destruction. And he, leads, he uses it to lead you away from the will of God. 
and get you out and away from God's best. And he, he uses fear to, to get you out of God's best, get you out of faith and over into fear. You have to overcome fear in order to be led by the Spirit of God. You have to overcome fear in order to be led by the Spirit of God. And fear is one of Satan's major weapons. When the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, it's going to take faith. And when you step out to do it, you step out on the Word, you believe for something, or to do something the Lord's leading you to do, what's the first thought you usually have? Some kind of fear. You can't do that. You can't afford that. You don't have enough money. Whatever, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, where would you ever get that much money? What if you don't get it? What if you die? All these, all these are fear-based questions that the, the enemy comes to plant in your mind. And when we follow the fear, the miracle gets aborted. And that's, that's the, the reason for the devil wanting to get us out of faith, over into fear, and start making decisions based on fear is to stop that dream from coming to pass. Because he knows the word of God's true, and if he, if he can't get you out of faith, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And he doesn't want it to happen. So that, that's what he's after. Let's say this out loud. God did not give me the spirit of fear to bondage. I refuse to follow fear. Fear does not lead me. I don't make decisions based on fear. By faith, I follow the Spirit. I'm led by the Spirit every day. I'm a child of God, and I'm Spirit-led. Now, I'm sure you've already discovered that you will be tempted to be led by fear. We will all be tempted to be led by fear. It's one of Satan's major weapons to get us off track. You know, uh, we believe the Lord was leading us to do something, but when we got to looking at it, well, just didn't look very good. So that's all, that's all fear. It may not sound that way, but it, it's, it's being led by fear. Verse 15, uh, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. This is how God leads us, by the Holy Spirit bearing witness with our spirit. The Holy Spirit in our spirit. Verse 16, this is how he leads us. The Spirit itself, or Himself, we talked in previous meetings that the Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a person. Jesus personally referred to Him as He and Him. The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Jesus told the disciples, you know, over here in John 16, that He was going to leave, but He was not going to leave them helpless. 
he would send another comforter. And you might think, well, nothing could be better than having Jesus with you uh, every day, but having the Holy Spirit in you 24 hours a day is even better because Jesus could only be in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit can be in us 24-7, and he can be anywhere, anytime. So we're going to become more and more aware of the Holy Spirit and his leadings, and they're going to become more and more real to us, and we're going to be able to know what's God and what's me and what's God and what's just people talking and what's God, what's just us, and what's him. Now, let's turn over to 1 John. 1 John. We're going to start practicing this every day. 1 John 2, 20. But ye have an unction or an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Let's say that out loud. I have an anointing from the Holy Spirit, and I know all things. The Amplified Bible says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have been set apart, specially gifted, and prepared by the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth because he teaches, illuminates our minds, and guards us from error. Now, like I said, millions of church-going Christians don't believe that you can hear from God directly. And sometimes if you happen to say in front of somebody, well, the Lord led me to do this, or the Lord spoke to me and, you know, told us to do this, and they'll kind of raise their eyebrows, you know, and maybe make a funny face or something, you know, because... Uh, they don't. They don't realize uh, that God can speak to us personally and directly. They're born again. They love God. They believe in the Holy Spirit. But the idea of God communicating with you personally just seems strange, because just because we haven't been taught the Word. It's, it's in the Word. We just haven't been taught it. Well, if they don't believe that God can communicate with you personally and directly, then what do they believe? They believe that God leads you through external circumstances. That's what most people believe. God leads you through and guides you and directs you through circumstances. And he uses external things around you to get you to do what he wants you to do. Trial and error. If something happens, it must be God's will. If it doesn't happen, it must not be God's will. Now that's being led by external things. Many people believe that God uses the school of hard knocks. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> if something negative happens, they'll say, you know, I think somebody up there is trying to tell you something. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Yeah? Yeah? 
And they'll say, yeah, I know. I was supposed to get some rest, but I didn't do it. And so the Lord slapped me down with the flu to get my attention. <laughs> That's being led by external circumstances. And millions of Christians believe that that through every, everything that's happening to them, uh, around them, is somehow the will of God, and it's somehow God is telling them something. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, through all these circumstances, God's trying to tell them something. And folks, this is not true. This is, this is being misled. You know, a door shuts. And, and or an opportunity shuts and they reason that God doesn't want them to go that way. Uh, you know, someone may apply to a school and they get turned down and they, they, they just conclude, well, I guess God doesn't want me to go to that school. No, that's no, that's no indication God doesn't want you to go to that school. You might get accepted the fifth time. Many people have done so, you know. Uh, have applied to some school five or six times and the sixth time they got in. But most people are not that persistent, you know, once or twice. And that's all it takes really for the devil to get them to, to cave in, you know. Uh, so God may want you to go through that door. It may be locked and bolted and God may be telling you to go through that door. And you may have to stand there in faith and speak to that door till it opens up. So a closed door is no indication, it's no leading from God. On the other hand, an open door or an opportunity is not necessarily a leading from God. There may be an open door there and people on the other side saying, come on in. <laughs> but that's not necessarily a leading from God that you're supposed to go through that door. Uh, you know, sometimes people actually set themselves up to be misled. They'll say, Lord, if you want me to do this, have three red cars drive by my house in the next two hours. That's being led by external factors. Lord, if you don't want me to do this, have somebody phone me about this in the next two hours. That's setting yourself up to be misled. Now, all of us in this room have done that at one time or another. Probably 99% of all Christians have done that at one time or another. And we probably got away with it. It, 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 we may have, it, it may have worked, you know. You might say, well, I did that and it worked. Well, God has mercy, you know, when, when, we, when we just don't know and we're, we're babies in these areas, God has mercy on us and he, he protects us. But if you continue to live that way, somewhere down the line, you're going to get misled. And this is how people wind up getting hurt sometimes because the devil has access to this physical realm. He can have people phone you. He can have people send you a letter, uh, positive or negative. And this is why we cannot rely on natural circumstances to interpret the will of God 
and his leading and guidance. The Holy Spirit is the guider, the reminder, and the teacher. He's going to show us things to come. And that's not the same as getting slapped down with the flu or running into a brick wall, you know, or a closed door or having doors open for you in order to discern God's will and direction for our lives. The Holy Spirit is going to lead us. Now let's turn to 1 Kings 19. The Lord does not lead through natural circumstances. 1 Kings 19, 9, and this is talking about uh, Elijah. And in verse 9, and he came thither into a cave and lodged there. I think this is when he was running from Jezebel. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, Now, the Lord came to him and said to him, The Lord spoke directly to Elijah, and Elijah heard him. What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, God spoke to Elijah, Elijah spoke back to God. I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. The Lord is not in earthquakes. He's not sending earthquakes to teach people something or to lead and guide them and direct them. He's not in hurricanes, blowing people's houses down, trying to get their attention and trying to get them to do something he wants them to do. Verse 12, And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Now it's true, at times in the Old Testament, God manifested himself as fire and as a cloud. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit manifested himself as wind. So it's true, but not here. Not here. These, these hurricanes, fires, earthquakes, these are destructive forces. But God's not in these natural uh, elements of fire, hurricanes, and earthquakes in order to give direction to believers about what they should do and where they should go. Now, there might be some people who would argue with you about that. They believe if, if the fire burns down your business, God's trying to tell you something. 
If you're in a car wreck, God's trying to tell you something. Well, if that's the case, what's he trying to tell you? I mean, what could he tell you in a car wreck that he couldn't tell you otherwise? What could he tell you with your house burned down that he couldn't tell you otherwise? These, these things are not true. God's not using natural disasters and accidents to guide and direct you. And if people believe that, then they have to ignore a whole lot of other scriptures in this Bible to the contrary. The traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. Verse 12, And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. A still, small voice. God is not loud. He, he's not loud. This is why the promptings of the Holy Spirit can be missed and overlooked because it's a still, small voice. When God's leading you, He's not loud. He doesn't really have to be loud because He's in us. He's in us. Now, there are times, I believe, if you are in real danger, the Holy Spirit will really come up in you with a real authority, you know, in a very authoritative way, uh, and and really get your attention. Uh, and and um, but in in our ordinary affairs, it, he's he's a still small voice. And this is why we have to learn how to tune in. Uh, you know, it's kind of like if, if, if you're on the AM radio station and you're trying to get classic FM on the FM station, you're not going to hear it. You know what I mean? If you want to hear the classic FM, you've got to tune in to the FM band. And so that's kind of like what this is. We've got to learn how to get on the same... Uh, Frequency is the Holy Spirit. He's inside us, and we don't hear Him with these physical ears. We, we, he leads in a still, small voice, promptings and leadings, just a prompting. Uh, and, and He doesn't usually give you a 15-minute discourse. It's just a prompting. Do this, don't do that. You know, talk, call that person. It's just a prompting like that. <clears throat> But the world has trained us to focus on the physical and the external realm. What we feel, what we see, and what we hear. In other words, that's living according to the flesh, walking by sight. But for born again believers, God's spirit is in our spirit. And we're going to learn to train ourselves to focus and listen inwardly and our spirit in order to discern his leadings. We're going to be able to discern what's flesh and what is the Holy Spirit. Is that just me, Lord, or is that you? Is that you, Lord, or is that just people talking to me? Psalm 32. Psalm 32. 
verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Doesn't that sound kind of like what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 16? He will teach you, he will guide you into all truth. The uh, Common English Bible says, I will instruct you and teach you about the direction you should go. I'll advise you and keep my eye on you. Verse 9, Be not as the horse or as a mule which have no understanding. Now, verse 8 here, the context is direction, leading, guiding. And the next verse he says, don't be like a horse or a mule. Now, if you know anything about mules or donkeys, what are they best known for? Stubborn. They're stubborn. And sometimes you see a cartoon in the paper or magazine and somebody's got this rope or bridle on this donkey and they're, you know, they're trying to pull this donkey and get them to go where they want them to go and that donkey is not moving. I mean, sometimes they'll just sit down in the road, you know. They are not moving. They have no understanding. Now, a horse, you can train to some extent you can train a horse, a smart horse, to some extent to do a few tasks or a few tricks. But if you stand there in front of that horse or if you get on that horse and you go into 15 minutes of instructions on, I want you to go down the road and when you come to the crossroad, I want you to turn right and go another half mile and then turn left that horse is not going to understand those instructions. I don't care how smart they are. And that's why they require the bit and the bridle. It goes on to say here, Be not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding. So they have to be led by external things. A, a bridle or a bit in their mouth whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. So, we have more understanding than a horse and a mule. We, we don't require ropes and bridles and sticks in order to be led and directed by God. You know, sometimes on these, these Bible films, you know, uh, they'll show a, a donkey going down the street and little kids have a stick, you know, and they're tapping them on the back, trying to direct them, getting to, to go to the left or to the right or whatever. They require a, a stick or something external, some external means of persuasion to get them to go where you want them to go. And, and this is saying, don't be like the horse or the mule. Well, well, we're not like the horse or the mule. God's an intelligent being. We're intelligent beings created in his likeness and his image, and he's capable of intelligently communicating with us, and we're capable of intelligently hearing from him and understanding. So for people who don't believe that God can 
personally direct and lead us and guide us. Uh, you know, when did this stop? When did God stop doing that? Because we just read he spoke to Elijah and Elijah heard him and did what he said. Uh, you know, we have a Bible full of examples of God speaking to people and they heard him. God spoke to Adam. God spoke to Noah. God spoke to Moses. God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Elijah. God spoke to David. And they all heard him. So when did it stop? You know, when did God stop communicating with his people? It, for those that, that don't believe that God's capable of doing this, we have the same Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, he spoke to Peter. He spoke to Paul. We have the same Holy Spirit they had. Now let's, let's just look at several scriptures in the book of Acts where we see this clearly. Acts 8.29 Underline, I've underlined this in my Bible. Then the Spirit said unto Philip. Acts 8.29 Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And this is, you know, when Philip was directed by the Holy Spirit to go to this man who was sitting in a chariot, and he happened to be a high official from another country. He was reading the book of Isaiah, and the Holy Spirit directed him, go over to that man and ask him if he understands what he's reading. And the man said, no, I don't understand what I'm reading. I need somebody to explain to me. And Philip explained that he was reading about Jesus, and the man got born again and water baptized right there on the same day. So this was a divine encounter. Uh, <coughs> being in the right place at the right time because Philip was directed by the Holy Spirit, go talk to that man. So the Spirit said to Philip, and Philip heard him and understood him. Acts 10:19. Uh, this is when Peter had the vision, you know, about the sheep that was let down with all the animals in it. Clean and unclean animals. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him. The Spirit said to Peter. This is specific. This is very specific. It was very specific with Philip. It wasn't vague, it wasn't general, it was very specific. Uh, Peter had this vision, and the Holy Spirit said something very specific. He says, three men are going to come knocking on your door, and they're going to ask you to come with them and go to this Gentile man's house named Cornelius. Cornelius is waiting for you to come to speak words to him. And... Um, in, ver in Acts 11, the story carries on, and uh, in this vision, as you know, God showed Peter that his, it was his will for the non-Jews to come to Jesus just like the Jewish people. And for centuries, the, non the Jewish people had 
not associated with non-Jewish people. They were actually forbidden from associating with Gentiles or non-Jews. They weren't to have anything to do with them. And now all of a sudden, Peter gets this vision from God about the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, God's going to bring the Gentiles, us, into the non-Jewish people, into the body of Christ. So Peter went and he preached the gospel to Cornelius' household and they got saved and they got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard about this, they called Peter in on the carpet because they said, what are you doing going to the Gentiles? Don't you know better than that, you know? For centuries, this had been a, a, a tradition and a, a law, and they had scripture to support it. They said, what are you doing going down there? And Peter said to them in verse 12, the spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. The God's Word translation says, the Spirit told me to go with them without any hesitation. And he defended himself by saying, I went because the Holy Spirit told me to go. And when they heard that the Holy Spirit told him to go, they said, okay, if that's what the Holy Spirit says, fine. Because they had the same, those apostles in Jerusalem had the same Holy Spirit in them that Peter had. And when Peter said, the Holy Spirit told me to go, that witness with their spirit, yes, Peter heard from God, and it was the right thing to do for him to go. And all of a sudden, this was a miracle. Centuries of tradition where the Jews did not associate with non-Jews, those traditions were set aside just in one day, virtually, because the Holy Spirit said, I'm accepting the Gentiles, and I'm bringing them into the body of Christ. And if the Holy Spirit said it, that's all we need to know. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, we won't turn there, but write down Ephesians 5.17. It says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Many people don't even believe that you can know what the will of the Lord is. But here it says we're supposed to find out what the will of the Lord is for our lives. Many people believe, um, you know, that you can't know the will of God or they believe that whatever's happening to them at the moment or not happening for them is the will of God. And they believe that God makes his will known through external situations. But God is not in everything. Everything that happens, God's not in it. We just saw God was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. He was not in the wind. He, he came in a still, small voice. But, uh, you know... People believe that if, if people believe that God's in everything, somewhere down the line, they're going to get hurt. And they're going to get misled. And this is why some people, they wind up getting mad at God. 
They quit going to church. Uh, they blame God for whatever happened because they think it was the will of God. There are thousands of Christians who are bitter and mad at God because something happened and they thought it was the will of God. And God had nothing to do with it. It's deception. God had nothing to do with it. Let's say this out loud. I'm not externally led. I'm internally led from the inside. He's in me. Turn over just a couple of pages to Acts 16, verse 6. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. Underline that phrase. And here, they're forbidden from going somewhere. In the other verses, he told them to go somewhere. Here, he says, don't go over there. He forbid them from going to Phrygia and Galatia. They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Verse 7. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Underline that phrase. But the Spirit suffered them not. Now, some people would say, well, God would never tell you not to go somewhere. You know, in the Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Galatia and Phrygia, in the world, you know, yeah, it's part of the world. But in the Great Commission, Jesus didn't say every person is supposed to go everywhere. He said the church is supposed to go everywhere. The church is supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but that doesn't mean every individual Christian is supposed to go everywhere and preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit told them, don't go to this place. There were no external circumstances involved. They didn't have a flat tire on the way and come to the decision that they weren't supposed to go there. They didn't have a car wreck and wind up in the hospital and decide that maybe they weren't supposed to go there. No, they intelligently heard from God. They didn't waste time and money going and possibly getting hurt. If people are not being led by the Holy Spirit, they can go to a place that's hostile to the gospel and they can get killed for no reason. And sometimes, you know, you hear people say, well, I just don't understand why it happened to these people. They were such good people. <coughs> that can sometimes be a reason, not being led by the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, if the Lord directs you to go to the most dangerous spot in the world, if you are led by God to go there, He can keep you, He can protect you by His Spirit and by the angels, and you never be harmed. Amen? So the question is, did he lead you to go or not? That's, that's 
That's, this is very important, folks, for us to know, I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Uh, let's just look at um, one more scripture. 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4. One. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Notice the first phrase there. The Spirit speaketh expressly. The Amplified Translation says, But the Holy Spirit explicitly and unmistakably declares. The Holy Spirit explicitly and unmistakably declares. Now, those of us who believe that God can communicate with us intelligently by His Spirit, we can know His voice, we can hear His voice, we can be led and directed and guided by God personally, we are in the minority. But we want the minority to grow. Amen? Amen. Praise God. We want the minority to grow. Hallelujah. And we're going to get this. Amen? I've said, Lord, I don't care how long it takes me to get developed in this. I'm going to do it. I don't care how long it takes, I'm going to do it. So, uh, folks, I want all of us to begin to practice this in our daily lives. Begin to just look inward. When you, you, know, when you go to bed at night or when you get up in the morning, just focus inward. You know, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to tell me? Anything you want to tell me about today? You know, where I should go or where I should not go? Should I take the A3 to Guilford or should I take the A3100? You know? Uh, just, just be uh, sensitive to his leadings and promptings. And we're going we're gonna to get proficient at this. And we're going to make adjustments. And we're going to be in the right place at the right time. Amen? We're going to be in the right place at the right time. Let's say this out loud. He's my shepherd. He's He's my shepherd. shepherd. He knows my name. He knows my name. I'm his sheep. I know his voice. I hear his voice. I obey his voice. I am led. Guided and directed by the Spirit of God within me with precision. Amen. Now, if you you might say, well, the last five times I goofed up. Well, that's all the more reason we need to speak by faith. I can hear from God. And I know his voice. Jesus said, I know his voice. I can hear his voice. And if he said, I can, I can. And you may just have to do it by faith for a little while. But never, ever, ever again say, I can't hear from God. Don't never, never say, I'm slow. I'm just slow in this area. I just can't hear from God. Jesus said, we can. So let's get in agreement with the Word and not speak contrary to the Word because when we get in agreement with the Word, then we get in faith and we open ourselves up to be able to hear. 
from God. The Holy Spirit can begin to, we open up our spirit to be able to get direction and leading from Him. But if we're going around confessing, I just can't ever hear from God, then you're not going to be able to. You know what I mean? Even though He's, he's endeavoring to, to lead us and guide us. So never again say, I can't hear from God. You say, I'm his sheep. I know his voice. Jesus said, I can hear him. I know his voice and he knows my name. Amen? Praise God.